I'm your host, Riem Zin Labidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Jorge Vasquez. He's a backend software engineer and he works at Scalac. Jorge had the chance to work with several technologies and programming languages across different industries. Sounds interesting, right? So stay with us and let's meet him and learn about his journey. Hello, Jorge. Welcome to TechTac. Hi, William. So thank you for having me here. And it's a pleasure to talk with you today. The pleasure is mine. I would be happy to know you more. I know you mostly from the conferences, from the Scala conferences and the, the events. Introduce yourself and tell us some fun facts about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, my name is uh, Jorge Vasquez. I'm a developer from Bolivia in South America. I currently am working now in Scalac, this development company from Poland. It's already been two years that I'm with them. It's been a great experience and fun fact about me. Well, I, I enjoy lately doing photography. So that's something I like to do in my spare time. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's It's very relaxing and I think it's something completely different from programming, right? And uh, that sometimes is needed, like um, relaxing and getting fun with something completely different from what you do all the time, right? So And uh, also you need, you need to pick the nice places and go to the nature. And this also will make you do more activities just yeah. to, to find a nice place for the pictures. Nice. Yeah, exactly. You have to go out, right? Because sometimes <laughs> yeah. when you when you work uh, remotely, right, uh, you tend to be a lot in your home, right? And you don't go out so much. So going to these places to take some pictures makes you go out there and meet some nice places. So so yeah, it's it's fun and it helps a lot to have a balance in life, I think. Yeah, I agree. How did you start like uh, your uh, path to become a developer? How things started? Was it from your education when uh, you were at school or was it before? How did it start from the very first inspiration? Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, because my dad is a software developer. Well, he's retired now. And well, he worked in a completely different time, right? So I remember when we had our first computer, I was very little, I think uh, three years old or something like that. And well, I, I, I saw my dad working sometimes in the computer in my house, right? That, that way, I think I've always been attracted to computers since that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I don't know why we didn't have the computer anymore. I don't know why. And uh, many years, I didn't have any computer at all at home. So the only computers I could work with were in school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I remember learning stuff in, in school like uh, Office, right? Word, PowerPoint. It was uh, the typical things you learned were when you were a child. And I was always curious, trying to learn. And because I didn't have the computer at home, uh, I remember my dad had some 
books about uh, Office, Excel, and things like that. And I liked to read them at home. And I remember making notes of the things uh, I liked the most to, to give them a try in, in school, like making your document a lot fancier. Or I remember these things, word arts in in Word, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I was always curious about that. And about programming itself, I remember it was also in a school. That was when I was in the latest years. We started to do programming with BASIC, I remember. That, that was the first language I've learned, BASIC. It was very weird and at, at the beginning, right? Because uh, the syntax was a little obscure to me at that time. And I still didn't have a computer at home, right? So I remember my teacher gave us a homework. I, I don't know what the program was. It was a simple one, but it had to work perfectly. And if you didn't have a, a computer, you could write the, the program in paper, right? Mm -hmm. And it had to work. So so the teacher would see your the code in paper and... Uh, pass it to the um, computer and it had to work. And I remembered I was very scared because that teacher was very strict, mm -hmm. uh, but the program worked, thankfully. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I reviewed it several times, I remember. And yeah, it worked. And I, I was very happy about that. Well, later I, I changed school. In that other one, we learned Fox Pro, I remember. It, it, was a, it was a language that my dad used at work as well. So he could help me a bit. And well, thankfully, at that time, we again had a computer at home. So I could uh, practice more with it. So yeah, those, those were like the first languages I've learned. Well, later, university came. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, actually, I didn't study software engineering. I studied telecommunications engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, but lots of uh, classes were about uh, software development. I remember the well, the first classes were programming with C. So I've learned uh, C, then was uh, C++. So those were the, the other languages I've learned. So that's when I learned a lot about object-oriented programming. Mm -hmm. We did everything in C++. Later, I took some other courses about uh, Java, but the main language was C++. Yeah, that was uh, the first steps in object-oriented programming. And later, uh, it was this thing that you could choose any class you wanted uh, that the university offered. It didn't have to be something from your career. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, was, I remember I was thinking about what class to take at that time. And my programming teacher told me, oh, maybe you can take this functional programming class. I give that class and I think you will like it uh, because it's like something very math oriented and I loved math uh, at university and uh, yeah I thought well yeah why not uh, it seems fun and I remember I was the only crazy guy from my career in that class right because everyone else was from software development and I was uh, the only one from from telecommunications engineering and they told me what are you are doing here? Aren't you scared about this, uh, this class? Because every, everyone was scared about functional programming. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it sounded very complicated, right? Because it was with Haskell. It was like the basics of functional programming, actually. It, it made you think in a completely different way, right? Because, well, with Haskell, you didn't have the option to keep doing imperative programming, right? Like in Scala, for example, you can choose to keep doing some things imperative. But in Haskell, it wasn't possible. So, yeah, I loved that class, actually. It, it, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. But... Sadly, it was the only class uh, about functional programming in the curriculum. So I was thinking always if it was possible to use functional programming in real life, because working with Haskell seemed like very academic at that time. Well, later I, I've realized that there are companies that use Haskell in production, right? Mm -hmm. But at that time, I thought like it was very academic and it was like something just to to expand your mind, right? Like having a new way of thinking, but in real life, uh, everything you will use is object-oriented programming, always. So I wanted to use that in practice. But well, that, that was my, my first contact with functional programming. And well, later I finished uh, my career. I started working first in telecommunications. Later I changed the job. I remember I had a teacher at university. He invited me to work with him in, in the company he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, he was the manager of the software development area. It was a telco company here in, in Bolivia, but uh, he was in charge of the software development area. So that seemed very interesting to me, right? Because it was telecommunications, but combined with software development. So mm -hmm. I really liked that because uh, I thought it, I could uh, put in practice this knowledge I've got about software development, but still keep developing the telecom knowledge. Yeah. And yeah, that was also great experience for me because it was like the first uh, so real life software development job I've got. And uh, it was everything in Java and it was pure Java. I remember we didn't use any frameworks, any libraries. Everything was developed uh, inside the company in-house. Mm -hmm. So, and well, we used C++ as well. And to, there were some very low level libraries to interact with the telecommunications network. And it was interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I remember one day my boss told me, oh, look, Jorge, I've seen this uh, interesting language. It was pretty new. It was Kotlin. And it was the, the first days of Kotlin, I think. And uh, he told me, it seems, this language seems very interesting because it's like a better Java and you have a, like a simpler syntax and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So I started to investigate more about it because it seemed uh, interesting. So I started reading about Kotlin and uh, I found, I think, one blog where they compared Scala to Kotlin, the, the typical <laughs> comparison between the two languages, right? Yeah. And uh, I started reading about Scala. At, at that time, I didn't know about Scala at all. I never heard about Scala. I think it was 2015 or, or something. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it seems very interesting because when I was reading the characteristics of the language it mentioned, uh, it supports functional priming. And that made my my eyes. <laughs> it's like a spark. Yeah, it's like a spark. Oh, functional priming again, and it's a Scala, and it works on the it works on the JVM. It can interact with Java. So so yeah, I, I was very excited about that. And since that time, I I stopped reading about Kotlin. It didn't interest me anymore, and I started to learn about uh, Scala itself. And it was during your job. Yeah, yeah, it, I was still in that job, yeah. And I told my boss, well, look, I found an even better language than Kotlin. And I think it's a Scala and you can do functional programming with this. And I was very excited. And yeah, I, I've learned also about Akka. I've, I've read mm -hmm. about Akka and I told him, I think we should uh, give this a... Uh, library a try Akka. I know we don't use uh, any frameworks or libraries here in the company, but I think we really should give this a try. Yeah, because for the use case, it was, I think, a very appropriate choice to use Akka because mm -hmm. these because these were telco systems, right? It, it was like the core network of uh, mobile 3G and 4G networks. So this core had to be very concurrent, right? Because we had to support all users in the country to, to send uh, short messages when they were still popular, right? And uh, supporting a uh, billing and all of that stuff. And it had to, to have high availability, right? Because it was a telco company. If you, if you had um, downtime, uh, that meant also lots of, lots of, um, money that the company had to pay to the authorities, regulating authorities, right? Yeah. So I thought it was a, a very great library for our use case, but sadly I couldn't use it because, well, everyone else just worked with Java, right? And if we wanted to use uh, Akka, for example, with Scala, everyone would need to learn about Scala first. And it was something that uh, people weren't too excited. Open to yeah, try. open to try, exactly. So, so well, so what I did that time, it was, I was uh, still learning about ACA that time, about Scala itself. I, I remember I took the Coursera specialization with uh, Martin Odersky, and uh, that's when I also learned about Spark. And I was also very excited about Spark. It was something very new, I think, at that time. Spark was also something I thought could be used in that company because uh, we had lots of CDRs, those uh, call records of every call, every message that sent in the in the company, right? And you have to process those records to get some statistics about, uh, I don't know, for example, if there are problems in the network and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought Spark was also a very good uh, fit for that. But again, I, I couldn't introduce that in the company, sadly. Like, I think this was from, uh, it could be considered as a challenge. Did you try to provide some examples to convince the company to take uh, into consideration some technology? Yeah, yeah, I tried. And uh, I remember actually I've even presented a course in the company about introduction to Scala, right? So mm -hmm. I have uh, gave my uh, co-workers this course and well, 
they were a little excited about it, but I think they didn't uh, want to leave their comfort zone with Java, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it was a it was a real challenge, and I really tried. Even it is uh, it didn't work as you wanted or as you wished, but it is something that helped you to make the effort to. To, for example, when you introduce about uh, Scala or different technologies to the company, you are also developing new skills. It's personal um, and a professional growth for you, even if it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, uh, well, that time I had to prepare that course, right? Uh, yeah. When you prepare these courses, these talks, right, you have to force yourself to understand better to explain well right exactly so so yeah uh, that really helped a lot to better understand uh, scala i also gave some other courses at university because i was also a teacher oh. uh, well it was the the university where i studied then i became a teacher there And uh, I also tried to promote functional programming with scala there because uh, yeah i knew there was only this this only class about functional programming with Haskell and it was like just an introduction, right? And you had the impression that it was something only academic, but with the Scala, I wanted to give the impression that you could use that, uh, use functional programming in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was also a nice experience there. And you are a teacher of uh programming or what yeah well yeah I, I was a teacher I'm not a teacher there anymore uh-huh. but yeah actually the first class I've given there it wasn't telecommunications it was a uh, programming mm-hmm. it was this programming with C++ intro to object-oriented programming that was that was my my first class and uh, yeah well I remember I, I got that chance because when I was studying I was like assistant to the to my teacher so mm-hmm. i took the class with her and some years later i've presented myself to be an assistant and i was her assistant mm-hmm. so i was her assistant like the two last years of my career so i had a lot of experience there teaching as well so that's how i got that uh, that job and well later i i remember i gave another class it was with java as well And I gave these courses uh, with with Scala, and well, I also gave other courses more related to telecommunications, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, that was it. And well, I, I'm not working there anymore now. This experience develops more skills for knowledge sharing. You will not find it difficult for you to share your knowledge or present or something because. So- Some people would find it challenging yeah. to um, explain or, or maybe to get uh, this idea to to say, okay, I will give a presentation for uh, what I have uh, discovered or have learned new. It it requires courage and also uh, interest on uh, teaching. Yeah, and it's good that you already have it. It's uh, it gives more. Uh, value yeah 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 i think uh, yeah I, i've always liked to teach so yeah i think that was a a very nice uh, very great experience and uh, i remember even when i was at school my my teachers told me i should be a teacher someday <laughs> so so yeah uh, that was uh, that was really nice and as you say it helps when you are working 
inside the a company, a software development company to to have this knowledge sharing with everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, having this teaching experience at university is, uh, yeah, it's been really helpful to me and it helped me to like being more um, more easily talk to people, right? Mm. But because I was always like this uh, introvert person and uh, yeah, having this experience of forcing yourself to present to people and yeah, it, it's, it really helps a lot also in the in the personal side right so yeah so yeah and uh, uh i'm interested to know if like also teaching would develop skills for empathy to practice empathy with your students i assume that the teacher will have um more knowledge like they already uh, have experience more than their students so they share about their experience in order that the students will be able to uh, understand the teachers should put themselves in the position of their students to teach them from their level. Like sometimes there are people who already have many experience. They say it's obvious, obviously, and they don't explain it yeah. a lot. <laughs> and uh, I think teaching requires empathy or maybe a good teacher or a good mentor would be uh, great if they have empathy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, that's true. If if you want to be a good teacher, you have to always remember that, right? And yeah, I I remember when it was the like the first time I was an official teacher. Uh, I I tried to remember the feeling I had when I was a student, right? I had these teachers like they were very smart people, they were PhDs mm -hmm. and things like that. But precisely because of of being PhDs, they were like a, at a different level than us. And they tried to always speak at their own level, right? And it was hard to understand them. Or sometimes they felt, well, they gave that Im impression that, well, I know a lot and you poor, poor little ones don't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't want to give that impression. And well, I've also realized that uh, when you learn more stuff and uh, more stuff about something, mm -hmm. uh, it gets a lot harder. Because, uh, I don't know, it's like your brain <laughs> rewires itself. So it becomes harder and harder, I think, to keep you grounded and remember that you are talking to people that are just beginning to learn. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And you always have to, to keep remembering that to yourself, right? And I think it's complicated, but it's also a skill you get. Yeah. Right? Like practicing to uh, ground yourself a little bit right yeah. and remember to the audience you are you are talking to well there are sometimes that you have an audience that has a higher level right so you have to always keep in mind to what kind of people you are trying to to teach right? mm -hmm. so that's important yeah you're right and let's talk about your next experience uh, mm -hmm. about your next job and how you progress in uh, your career okay yeah well I was working on this telco company I've mentioned, and I decided to change job. I went to another company here in Bolivia that uh, develops software for U.S. companies mostly. And yeah, I, that was also another challenge for me because I, I had to learn lots of things by myself. Because in this job, in this telco company, as I've mentioned, everything was just pure Java right mm -hmm. we didn't use like other typical libraries like spring boot for example in the java world so 
to apply to this other company, I needed to know about these frameworks and libraries because they are used a lot in the clients mm -hmm. this, this company had, right? So I had to learn about that myself. Uh, and well, I took uh, some courses and I read some books and I learned about it. And it was also a challenge because it was going to be my first job in English, right? Because, uh, oh. yeah, my, my jobs here were always here in the country in Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. And that that was going to be my first job in English. And well, I know English already, but uh, it's different to, yeah. to <laughs> use can... English all the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's hard. And uh, I remember I had the, this interview first uh, with the, the company here and the whole interview had to be in English. So I was a little nervous, but it went okay, thankfully. And uh, well, after that, I had an interview with the client I was going to work mm -hmm. for. Uh, so these were clients in the U.S., right? So I was even more nervous because, well, before I had the interview in English, but what, it was with people here in, in Bolivia. They also uh, talked Spanish. So, but with the U.S., it was different, right? It yeah. was really i had to know english so uh, i was nervous but it went okay and thankfully those guys were really really nice people so they made me feel comfortable and yeah they they took me and i started working with them and well that that job was very interesting because this client used several technologies and several languages it wasn't just only mm -hmm. one they did everything aws so that forced me to learn about AWS because before, uh, well, here in the telco company, for example, everything was on-premises, right? It wasn't in the cloud. So I had to learn about cloud mm -hmm. and they used uh, Python a lot. So I had to work with Python in, in a production system. I, I already knew something about Python, but I didn't, uh, I, I've never had used it in in production, right, in, in a big system. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn about Python. They also used a little of Ruby. Well, I, I didn't work too much with the Ruby side, but I had to learn something about it. Uh, they also used Java, mm -hmm. Spring, and things like that. Yeah. And they also used Spark, but they used the Python version of Spark. Oh. So, yeah, so, well, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen that, that they used PySpark. And I've told them that was when I was excited because I, I thought, well, maybe I can convince them to start using a Scala instead yeah. of Python for this thing, right? <laughs> so I told them, maybe we should use a Scala instead of Python for this because Python is awful. Uh, you have to be very careful because uh, there is no type checking, there's no compiler, right? It, it was yeah. painful to work with Python. And um, yeah, they, they listened to me and they told, well, maybe we can do some spike to research, compare, for example, which language would be the best, maybe Python, maybe Java, or maybe Scala. Mm -hmm. So I remember well, some person did the research with Python, the advantages, disadvantages, some other person did with Java, and myself did the spike with Scala. And well, at the end, Scala won, right? So ah, cool. yeah, thankfully, yeah. And, uh, that way I could start using Scala in, in a production system with Spark, right? So we migrated the PySpark jobs to Scala. They also had lots of jobs in Hive, 
written in Hive uh, and they run on AWS on EMR. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also migrated them to, to Spark. So that was awesome. And uh, uh, at the end, all the jobs were in Spark in Scala. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, after that, I wanted to use Scala for more things, right? Not just uh, Spark. Yeah. yeah. Have, at the beginning, it was exciting for me because it was the first time I've, I've used Spark in the real world with Scala. But uh, I'm started. I, I started to get a little bored of just doing a Spark, right? So I started learning more uh, about uh, Scala. I've started to research how to do uh, REST APIs and things like that. So I've learned about Play, for example. Mm -hmm. And it came to my mind, again, the functional programming part, right? So yeah. I was always thinking about that. And I started looking for some talks or articles, blogs about it again. Mm -hmm. So I started looking in YouTube, some talks, and I found uh, talks about cats, cats effect, Scala Z. Yeah. So I started to learn about them first. And uh, it was a little hard to me. It, it was weird because these, uh, for example, books about cats, they were a little hard to follow to me. They, they weren't too clear uh, as I would. Advanced. Yeah, they maybe. were too advanced. It was like you were mentioning before, like it, it was like they were at a higher level, right? And assuming that everyone else should understand that level, right? And yeah. they, they weren't, there weren't like beginner, really well-organized beginner material. So it was hard. So I thought, well, mm -hmm. maybe I should go back to Haskell and uh, go deeper into Haskell. That's just the things I knew from university. And I found some very nice books in Haskell that mm -hmm. were from the very beginning and they were increasing complexity. So I got to finally under understand this functor and applicative and monad stuff finally. And I went back to Scala again I thought, well, maybe I, now I can understand this stuff in CATS and Scala set, and I understood them better. Uh, but still, it felt like if I wanted to introduce that in my job, for example, it would be very hard to convince people. Uh, well, I kept looking if there was something easier to understand. And also, well, even if I understood better how CATS uh, worked, for example, uh, I still didn't see how to use functional programming in a real-world application. It still seemed to me a little weird. Abstract. Abstract. Too abstract. Yeah, and all these implicits and stuff in Scala, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I kept looking. And I remember I found a talk by John DeGos. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, about Scala ZIO. And I looked at it because... Well, I, I've seen this I.O. thing that uh, I've learned about in Haskell, right? Yeah. So that seemed interesting to me. I started looking at the talk, and I think it was a talk where John um, showed some examples mm -hmm. of uh, how easy it was to work with Scala Z.I.O. Yeah, so I got really interested. So I started looking more talks from mm -hmm. John, right? And, and that's how I got to Zio. And I, well, I realized that Zio was like the uh, new version of Scala Z.io. And uh, 
yeah, when I looked at Zio, it was uh, really, really impressive to me. And that's when the light came to my mind, right? So I was finally understanding how to apply functional programming in a real world application, in the whole application, right? Not just in some parts of, yeah. of, the, of the code, right? Because yeah, even when I worked in the in this telco company, we used Java 8 and Java 8 introduced lambdas and uh, these streams API that had these nice things from functional programming, but I could use them just in little parts of the code, right? Like the whole application was still written using object-oriented style, right? And in some parts, like to reduce lines of code, I could use these functional programming things, right? But it wasn't the whole application using functional programming. But with Zio, it was the first time I really understood how to how to apply functional programming to the whole thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, I got really excited about that and I started learning more about it. I started to look some uh, blogs, articles. In fact, I've read uh, some of your articles. So oh. you are, uh, I think, a lot of the reason I'm working now with uh, functional programming. Yeah, so thank you oh. for your articles. Yeah, I that, appreciate that, was, that. Yeah, that was really helpful. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I remember your articles were like uh, from the ground up, right? I remember you started with Zio first and at the end you integrated with HTTP4S, I remember, yeah. and Doobie and stuff. So that was really, really helpful. And uh, I started to write my own pet projects with that. Mm -hmm. And I remember, well, I followed John and he tweeted about his Patreon program. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited about that because, yeah, before I thought, well, I, I'd like to take some courses with John because he seems like a very good teacher from his talks. Yeah. And when he created his Patreon wall, it was like a dream come true for me, right? Because uh, I, I could join that and take John's courses on Zio and functional Scala. And that's when I really got uh, to learn well about Zio. And I felt I was ready to take the next step mm -hmm. and start looking for a just a Scala job. So I wanted to use Scala the whole time. I didn't want to keep using Python or Java because I felt that was restraining me yeah. <laughs> from using all this functional stuff, right? Uh, it was nice. Uh, I learned a lot, but I felt that I needed to work more with Scala. Yeah. So I started looking jobs, uh, remote jobs, because here, well, in Bolivia, I think there aren't any jobs with functional programming. Everything is object-oriented programming. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I remember I was looking, I applied to some places. Well, some of them, there were, they weren't interested because they were remote, but just the US, right? Mm -hmm. Or just Europe and things like that. And well, I was looking at talks from Functional Scala 2019, I remember in YouTube. And um, there was this guy from Scalac mm -hmm. that presented about Zio actors, I remember. And he mentioned, well, I work in the Scalac and we're hiring and we are a remote first company. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I was, uh, I was really excited about that. So 
my eyes were <laughs> very open. Yeah, I was very happy and I applied immediately. And I remember I was, I think I was on vacation, I think. And I told, well, I will apply now. I, I, I want, I really want that job because Scala seems like a company that, well, it was obvious that just worked with Scala, yeah. right? So it, I, from the I name felt also. it was, yeah, from the name, right? So no. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, well, I, I didn't know if they were going to take me, right? Because, well, it was a company from Poland, from Europe, and I didn't know if they were going to accept someone from the other side of the world, mm -hmm. right? But I applied. Uh, I thought, well, what can I lose, right? So I applied. And I remember one of the girls from the talent team replied to me very quick. I, I was very happy about that. And we started the interviews. They gave me like these typical code challenges, right? To write some application with Scala. And well, because I've learned already about Zio mm -hmm. and stuff, I wrote the application integrating HTTP4S with Zio again because of reading your article. Oh, I, I had, yeah, <laughs> glad I had, to hear that. <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got the job. So that, that's how I'm... I'm in Scalac. That was two years ago, mm. and uh, yeah, that's that's how uh, I got to where I am now. Yeah. How did you think uh, when uh, after you started using uh, Scala in functional way? You are using uh, Scala not only for Spark, right? Now, currently, you are using Scala with functional yeah. programming way, like you wanted, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm not working with Spark anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and now, for example, for the client I'm working, uh, they use Zio, so I'm ah. having the chance to work with Zio practically all the time, and uh, like I'm being able to even doing some nice refactorings around around Z layers and stuff, and uh, I've uh, been able to introduce Zio Prelude there, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying also to introduce uh, Zio HTTP there and stuff like that because now they use a plain framework, for example, integrated with Zio. Uh, but well, it's play, and yeah. So well, now it's like a, a dream come true to me, right? So I'm I was finally able to to find a job where I can use functional programming practically all the time. Yeah. Uh, that was something I dreamt about since I was in college, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was possible. I thought uh, object-oriented programming was all uh, that was out there, but I was wrong. And uh, yeah, I I'm really happy now. Uh, uh, in Scala, well, they are really great people, uh, not just in this because of this technical part of Scala, right? Because they are really nice people in the personal side and uh, well I'm still uh, in the Patreon program with uh, with John mm -hmm. so it's great that I'm still learning from him lots of stuff because John knows knows a lot right yeah and well he also always helps me with preparing these talks I've presented about Zio so I've been also learning from him how to be an even better presenter even better teacher right mm -hmm. so so yeah well now with Scala 3 I think it's even more exciting than before because Scala 3 now it's a lot better than, than Scala 2 
So yeah, well, now I'm not using SCADA 3 in production yet, but I think maybe soon I'm going to start using it. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds very cool. Yeah. And uh, like you are also given talks in different events. And this is very nice that you are practicing and uh, working and teaching using your skills and you are um, improving or let's say growing in the direction where you really exactly want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, in fact, that's another reason I, I joined Scalac, right? So I, I, I've seen that I would have these opportunities like to present these talks, right? I really liked that Scalac was a sponsor of these events, uh, for example, of functional Scala, right? Yeah. Um, and I was going to have the opportunity also to write these articles in their blog, right? So yeah. I've written also some articles, some ebooks for the Scalac blog. So, yeah, I, I thought that was also something I wanted because in the jobs I had before, like uh, I had the opportunity to do great stuff uh, in the object oriented programming site, but it was like something very closed, right? <laughs> I, I didn't have the chance to interact with more people like giving these talks, right? Yeah. And I, I've always liked that uh, now. Well, I'm not teaching at university anymore, but I wanted to to keep having these chances to teach people, right? Like to share the the knowledge I have, and as as you have mentioned before, that also helps you to understand better, right? It's it's yeah, teaching exactly. is something very great, right? Because you are not just sharing knowledge, but also your own knowledge increases. <laughs> because, exactly. Yeah, when you're trying to make things clear that's when you get to understand things at a deeper level. Like, like you start seeing some relationships between concepts that were before isolated, right? Mm -hmm. And you start to see relationships between them and that helps you even to understand better and to program better, right? To use yeah. functional programming better. So yeah, that, that's really nice, yeah. And I think also sending, let's say, a proposal to a conference and when your proposal gets accepted, makes you, you have to do it. I don't know. Personally, I get lazy to uh, search for um, or to use, to start using uh, new libraries uh, from, for example, the Z organization. I see different new libraries and I didn't get the chance to check them out. Then I found it very helpful to send a proposal and say that I'm going to use these libraries and I have no idea, I didn't check them out. And once my proposal gets accepted, I have to look now. Now yeah. I, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know how is that. Yeah, it's like a good, uh, uh, how do you say that? It's a challenge uh, or uh, I don't yeah, exercise good. or. Yeah, I exactly. It's like it, it, it forces you, right, to. Yeah to investigate more. And yeah, I have the same feeling as well because there are too many libraries out there, right? And for example, now in Zio, just in Zio, in the Zio ecosystem, there is lots and lots of libraries. I think every day they are creating some new library about some cool stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah, when I had to write these blog posts, for example, or had to prepare these talks, it's like 
it forces you to learn about them, right? So yeah. I also use that as a personal motivation, right? Like I have to do it, right? Because I have now like the compromise to, to have this blog post written or prepare this talk for these yes. days, right? So it's like a motivation. So so yeah, <laughs> I have this the same feeling, yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you considered to provide course, virtual courses, for example, in uh, Coursera or uh, different platforms? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I've created a course some years ago, but it, it wasn't anything related to, to Scala or functional programming. It was about machine learning. Oh. And yeah, I, that was also something that motivated me to learn more about machine learning at that mm -hmm. time. And yeah, it, it was a nice experience. I had to learn other stuff as well, right? Like how to record the, the course, right? It's not as easy as you would think, right? Exactly. You, you need to, you need to, for example, I needed to prepare a script for recording the videos, right? Because I had to record in English and English is not my first language. Uh, yeah. I couldn't afford myself to just improvise when I, while I was talking, right? Uh, because uh, I would have uh, all the time this like, um, um, and what was the word I had to use, right? Yeah. So I needed to prepare the script beforehand. I, I needed to think about Uh, for example, I was uh, going to record the video, I was going to record the screen or the audio, how to edit the audio and how to post-process it. So, for example, um, your breathing is not heard in the in the video and things like that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and also how to choose the microphone and yes. uh, uh, what microphones are the best, how you need to position the microphone because it's not the same if you position it in horizontally or vertically i don't know so so yeah that that was a very nice experience and i'd like to at some time do again another of these courses but now about scala and zero and functional prime right so yeah, yeah i'm thinking about that and um, Uh, maybe in a future soon, I'm going to find the, the time to do that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, that would help a lot of people. I think that people always get hard time to start. Yeah. yeah especially if they already know Java, they it seems a bit different because of functional programming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there is a lot of these fancy terms, right? And yeah. that's also something I liked about Zio. And uh, well, even I forgot to mention in the company was before in when I used Spark and things like that. Yeah. I got to introduce Zio to them. So yeah, because initially I was thinking about cats and this stuff, right? But yeah. I thought that was going to be very hard to introduce. But Zio, it was easier because at the beginning you don't even have to mention functional programming. You don't even need that, yes. right? Uh, you don't even. They don't even need to know what a monad is, right? It's not yeah. necessary. You can just uh, relate to already known stuff like as programming to interfaces, right? In Zio, you really apply that principle to programming to of programming to interfaces and uh, testability and things like that. Yeah. So I think it's very re relatable. And well, after you introduce Zio, well, you can start introducing other more technical, more advanced stuff of functional programming. Mm -hmm. But to, to start using Zio, you can start using it without having to know all of that stuff and you can be productive 
I think from the beginning mm -hmm. with with some uh, correct teaching, right? Uh, I think it's a lot easier now. And with Scala 3, I think it's even better. So, so yeah. yeah. And uh, in your career, was it all of your jobs uh, remotely or only the latest one? Yeah, the, the latest ones, right? So Scalac and the, the mm -hmm. job I had previously, it was also remote. Uh, well, the, the company was here in Bolivia and well, sometimes I, I, I went to the office for some very specific stuff, but in general, I worked remotely and yeah, the, the jobs I had before they were in the office here in Bolivia. Right? Uh -huh. So, so yeah, also like having these uh, fully remote jobs for me, it, it was also like a dream come true. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm so happy. I think now in Scalac because it's remote first and also I have this functional programming stuff. And I think remote jobs are great if, if you like them, because there are people that don't like them too much, right? There's people that uh, like uh, a lot, like being in the office and having the chance to interact with your coworkers every day. I yeah. think that was also nice. I, I remember when I worked in the office, it was nice uh, having that interaction too. But for me, personally, the advantages of working from home are far greater than the advantages I had in the office, like being able to, in Scalac, for example, I had the option to organize this, the, the, my time as I want, right? So, uh, well, I like to start working early, very early in the morning, but that's a personal, personal decision of mine, right? Because, well, yeah. later I have the afternoon free for to do my stuff, right? Like, I don't know, keep doing my photography stuff or learning languages, right? That I also like to learn languages a lot. That's or amazing. I don't know, yeah, having my my dog here, right? Mm -hmm. I, I love dogs and uh, having my dog here with me all the day and or my wife, having my wife near to me all the day. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that. Like, Yeah, this uh, is very nice. Yeah, having the chance to be more time with my family, right? Because before when I worked in the office, I felt like I was more time in the office, right? That in my house with my family. So I really, I really appreciate that. It's really nice. And also when, well, we didn't have this uh, COVID stuff and you were able to freely travel everywhere. I was able to, for example, to travel to Brazil. My wife is from Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, and keep working, right? So yeah. I could keep working from Brazil and I was also knowing some nice places in Brazil. So yeah, I think uh, that's really awesome. And I wouldn't change it. I, I think I would have a really hard time if I needed to go back to office. <laughs> it's, uh, it will be difficult, yeah. And like a remote work for you, gave you the flexibility uh, in time and also in... Uh like places yeah. you can work wherever you want do you feel that you are more productive yeah, yeah. totally yeah I, i'm i'm a lot more productive and i feel i like i have more time to do my personal stuff as well yeah. right yeah. because i can organize my time better because the problem in the office was that sometimes i didn't have too much things to do right there there were some times that well it was like a more calm time right mm -hmm. and there wasn't too many new things to develop or there weren't too many bugs to solve right and 
Well, I could I could do some stuff like reading books, for example, at that time. But there weren't others that there were others I couldn't do, right? Like uh, photography, for example, right? Mm. But now because I can organize my time uh, better, I can organize myself better for my job time, right? And mm. after that, I can do the other stuff I want, or I have more even more time to prepare for my talks, for example, or to write my uh, blog post, mm-hmm. or I don't know, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a lot better. You are a lot more productive, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think from my perspective, it is something uh, important to um, have also the interaction with the colleagues and do you have this chance remotely to know about the culture of uh, the company or the environment like because every company has to make you feel that you are included and you have uh, like yeah. many advantages to be there in the environment do you still feel it when you are working remotely yeah well yeah that's something i like as well of skalak well i'm working remotely and well very remotely because they are in poland right but yeah we always have this integration well now that we weren't able to travel because of restrictions we had these integration meetings internally in the company by zoom uh, at least and we had these like nice integrations where i don't know we played games or stuff or cooking sessions and things like that so so yeah that that's really nice and also we have like these sometimes more formal meetings with the talent team mm. from time to time so we don't lose track of each other so i think uh, that's uh, that's very important and well yeah. now that travel is uh, more open i think uh, well we are going to being uh, taking again these in person meetings right like yeah. uh, well, Scala has always had those meetings, but now I think this year we're going to retake that. So, so yeah, that's also a nice chance to meet in person. Yeah. And I think that's important for remote companies, like having these, uh, from time to time, these uh, in-person events. meetings, events. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, um to wrap up, uh, do you have an advice or an inspirational quote you would like to share with the audience? Yeah, well, my my only advice, well, I remember I had a, a teacher when I was in a school and he told us, well, it was in Spanish, but it was today you have to be better than yesterday and tomorrow better than today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, I always have that in mind, like being better every day means like learning new stuff all the time. I I think that's very important, uh, especially in software development, right? Like trying to learn stuff that excites you, right? Like in my case, it was uh, functional programming, Scala and Zio. So I'm always trying to learn more and more about that. Always have uh, an open mind to new stuff as well, right? Uh, I'm also trying not to be so attached to to one thing, right? So, well, yeah. I love functional programming and Zio and stuff, but there's also other things out there that are nice yeah. to learn about, right? So I've always I always try to have my mind open to other things as well and uh, keep learning about them. So as I've mentioned, photography, right? I, I never yeah. I've never 
thought I would do photography before, but when I started learning about it, I really liked it. So yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was nice. But having that open mind is what will make you try this other stuff that are outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And yeah, also like take risks, right? So for me, for example, joining Scalac, uh, it was like at the beginning, something like a little scary for me, right? Not because of the company, because Scalac is really great. But for me, for example, it was like the first time I was going to work with a really remote company because the company I worked before, it was re- remote work, but the company itself was in my own country, right? So yeah. it, it wasn't as remote as working for a company in Poland, right? Yeah. So for me, it was a bit scary at the beginning, but well, now I'm, I think it, it was the best de- decision I've taken these last years. So also like being uh, open to take these risks that can be uh, life-changing. I think it's, it's very important. It's inspiring how you achieved the things that you were interested in and discovered about along the way. And then uh, you followed your passion until these opportunities showed up and you took the risk to, uh, to achieve them. And I wish you all the best in the future. And thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sharing about your journey with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Wim. And well, it, this has been a pleasure. It's it's also nice to finally talk to you, at least uh, yeah. virtually, right? I, I hope we we know we meet each other in person someday. Yeah. And yeah, and well, thank you again for your nice uh, talks and articles that have been really helpful for me. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm very glad that I could help in some way. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tick tack, tackle the inspiration.